wishing that we could skip certain competitions. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome one and all to episode 461 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined this week in my own living room by English Dan. Hello. And Andres. Hello, welcome. Uh, we're not recording at Dan's place because of Noel having uh, got rather unwell. He's getting better, I'm told. Yes, happily, yes. Um, we're going to be very careful. But not quite well enough just yet for... To be chucking germs. Foreign, foreign germs in the house willy-nilly now. Um, into the system again. So we're here. That does, of course, mean there's going to be some slight variations in the uh, background noises, most notably the traffic outside, because I live on an avenue. Although, given it's fairly yellow, it's not a bad day to, uh, yeah. to do it. T- touch wood. We're still going to get dickheads like that going past us. Oh, dickheads is always going to be. So the traffic outside and the meowing inside, because we're being joined on the table as well by Latrice. Mm. Um, anyway... Dan wanted to skip talk about the league. We've got two mm. rounds to catch up with, and I'm afraid, Dan, that we are going to be um, at least going through the scores and the main talking points from the last couple of weeks. At least it's only one game from from our perspective. I think that yeah, we yeah. rather talk about the league, not about Copa Libertadores. Uh, well, yeah, we're going to have to do that as well, I'm afraid. Um, for we'll both just of talk you, about Argentina under-20s for an hour? And yeah. then we will discuss the under-20 World Cup at some point. Uh, but the matches that have taken place since we last recorded in the Liga Profesional, went Huracán nil, Godoy Cruz nil, Atlético Tucumán 1, Argentinos 2, Independiente 2, Tigre 1, Banfield 1, San Lorenzo 2, uh, Instituto 1, Colón nil, Newells 2, Arsenal nil, Defensa y Justicia 1, Estudiantes 1, Platense 3, Racing nil, Boca 2, Belgrano nil, Tacheres 2, River 1, Barracas Central uh, Barraca Central 2, Central Córdoba 2, Unión 0, Sarmiento 2, Gimnasia 1, Lanús 0, and Vélez 0, Rosario Central 0. Those were the round uh, 16 matches. And last weekend, Arsenal 2, Independiente 1, Godoy Cruz 2, Gimnasia 0, Central Córdoba 0, Unión 1, Rosario Central 2, Defensa y Justicia 1, Estudiantes 1, Banfield 0. Um, Banfield had two red cards. Racing versus Vélez was postponed, hence Dan's comment just before I started reading the scores out about... I should sure make jokes about it to, to be honest. It's quite a sad, um, sad situation. I, uh, you'll tell me in a minute what, what happened, because I was uh, working all the way through the weekend, so I didn't catch very much football at all. Argentinos nil, Boca 1, San Lorenzo 2, Instituto nil, Lanús 1, Newells nil, Tigre nil, Atlético Tucumán nil, Belgrano 1, Tacheres 1, Colón 1, Barracas Central 1... Sarmiento nil, Huracan nil, and River two, Platense one. So let's begin, Dan, with that question. Uh, what happened? Why, why was Racing Veles postponed? Uh, because earlier that day, on Friday, Veles reserves were playing uh, Racing reserves, of course. 
and Velez's reserve coach, Hernan Marrique, uh, collapsed. Um, was taken to hospital, but um, was pronounced dead from a, from a heart attack. Very, very sad. And oh, well. completely, correctly, and obviously, um, the decision was made that Velez could not possibly take the field that day, and the game was... Postponed to, I believe, the next FIFA round, which will be June. I see. Well, yes. Um, and yes, sadly, given the way that Racing have been playing in the league, not particularly uh, disappointing, you know, aside from the yeah, horrendous did. tragedy. Yeah. Uh, useful for Racing, just gave him a week off after some horrendous league results uh, it's just been a tailspin really what happened against Platense I missed it Can you remember I didn't oh, even missed. watch it okay missed it is it okay I, I mean see. first of all I haven't oh, had TV for a month <laughs> oh that's true of course yes. yes and on that Sunday we decided to go trampolining in Tigre with uh, with Nahuel instead of watching the game so it was Sounds a fantastic like a decision. Game. Yeah. Um, Watched, you know, lovely, lovely long lunch, then went trampolining, played some arcade games, listened to a bit of the game on the radio. That sounded terrible. Hmm. Never saw the goals, never saw anything about the game. I can just pretend it never happened, which <laughs> I think it didn't, basically, for Racing, uh, looking at how it went from. And I think that's seven but if you defeats in the last eight Liga Profesional games, something like that. Ridiculous. But if you consider the three goals against Platense, though, they weren't as bad as as, as I, I thought they would be in this uh, tournament. Uh, I think that you 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 might have been awful in defence. It's clear. Uh, and I think they were. Racing have been awful in defence yeah. for a long time, especially in the league. Um, just looking at that game against yeah before that game Platense had lost four of their previous Liga Profesional fixtures and scored exactly one goal so for them to score three in a single match I think that's something they haven't done the entire year uh, and that said something uh, just calamitous defending from Racing anyway they, they didn't think CC to River uh, also um the river had their mistakes also, mm. uh, and serious and and uh, silly, but at the same time big mistakes. Uh, and, and River managed to to defeat them, but not wasn't so easy. And in the case of Racing, they didn't even were able to, to do anything against them. Yeah, no, and, and I mean Dan's mentioned the calamitous defending, but I'm just looking at Racing's goals conceded column over their last. They've lost four in a row in the Liga Profesional. I think they conceded three in all of them. At least they, three. Three one to Atletico Tucumán, three one to Boca, four yeah. two to Tacheres at home, and three nil to Platense. So and yeah, there was I mean, a three one to Gimnasia just before that. Uh, that was yeah a couple of matches before, but yeah, and yeah. I mean as you said as well. Uh, so it's those four in a row plus six, uh, plus two is six, and they drew with Independiente in between. So. Uh, that is what seven matches, one point. Not uh, particularly good. Interspersed with a draw against Flamengo in the Libertadores, <laughs> and wins against two wins against Outcast because they they beat them at home on the twentieth of April, and uh, 
away just a couple of nights ago on mm. Tuesday evening. In Quito, no less. Yes. Um, Looks like they have a, like happened, for example, with River uh, and the Gallardos. It's uh, funny, uh, yeah. Uh, you would have thought the Michelis would maybe channel the spirit of Gallardo, but apparently Gago's doing it. Yeah. I mean, I don't recall River ever being quite this bad in the league. No. Um, as bad as Racing are at the moment. I mean, not as bad as River are. <laughs> uh, because in spite of the, that, uh, those dropped three points away to Tacheres, mm. uh, River are, of course, still top of the league. Mm. Um, they recovered pretty well by beating somebody at the weekend. Platense, 2-1. Yes, of course, you just said that a minute ago, didn't yes. you? Um, sorry about that. Uh and are now five points clear with San Lorenzo having made up a little bit of ground since we last recorded. So River on 40 points, San Lorenzo 35 and Tacheres, who of course beat River a couple of rounds ago, are on 31 and are in third place. Uh, they're ahead of Estudiantes on goal difference. Yes, after all the big gap, before River uh, played their, uh, their match against Platense, because San Lorenzo played before them, um, they were two points only, only, only behind. Mm. Only two points. And well, when River won... That difference went again into five points. When it, uh, one, um, Santa Mego was eight. Yeah. Uh, the Tacheres game was really entertaining. Second half, I thought. Yes. Uh, end but to end, I mean, River were chasing it. They were 2 0 down. They went 2 0 down. Oh, here we go. 15 minutes, more or less, to go. Because uh, Tacheres scored the first one early ish in the second half. Um, and then River just started piling it on to, to try and get back into it because they, they pulled it back to 2-1 a few minutes after going 2-0 down and it looked late on like they might actually get the equaliser but they didn't manage it to. It looked like, they, that, like Tacheres played uh, with uh, uh, more speed, with more uh, eagerness and, mm. and more like uh, intensity. Uh, something that when River uh, uh, was with Gachardo, that, that was like a trademark that they have perhaps not a beauty in their the game but being being so being very very intense physically intense and pressing a lot and in this case it was the other way. Uh River was like slow, like trying to do things very thinking too much before doing things and, and Tacheres was physically stronger and, and yeah. well second goal for Tacheres was <coughs> impossible to, to save even it was similar to the one that we are watching right now, Luca Romero for Argentina under 20s. The Garro second goal for Tacheres was just in the angle and Armani uh, couldn't do anything. Mm. Yeah, it was a fantastic hit, yeah. Um, but River have, so as Andres just mentioned, we're watching Argentina versus New Zealand under 20s at the moment and we'll talk about the under 20 World Cup after the break. Um, but um, River have lost a little bit of that you know, they went through that big, long, was it like eight matches in a row without conceding in the league or something. Um, and they're not looking as impermeable in defence anymore. I'm going to just let the cat into the bedroom while Andres tells us why that might be. And because they've, I mean, obviously they got twatted by Fluminense and the Libertadores at the start of the month. Uh, they have since, uh, well, just last night they drew 1-1 away to Sporting Cristal in the Libertadores as well. well. We'll go over the Libertadores in a bit more depth later. But they've not kept a clean sheet since the Super Classico. Mm, yes. It, it was like a big, a, a big, like it was like, like a, in boxing, it's like when you, they punch you and of course it's like a knockout, that Fluminense defeat, uh, to, to concede five goals, you want it or not, it's, it's, it's huge and, and, and to recover, it's not so easy. And, and well, after that, 
uh, if you take into account all of the matches, uh, the, of course, Copa Jatadores last night and the uh, Platense and uh, Fluminense, well, uh, if you put together all, all those matches, in th all of those matches, or almost all of the matches, perhaps the, the one against Boca wasn't so uh, evident, but uh, mistakes that, as I said, silly, but at the same time huge mistakes that cost goals. And those goals against Platense wasn't like that, but uh, last night against Sporting Cristal for Copa Libertadores was uh, determined. Determ it was decisive for the result, mm. uh, especially when, in this case, it was Armani, two times or two consecutive mistakes with his feet. We know that that is not the best, uh, perhaps, quality uh, for him, but uh, to, to have two similar mistakes uh, in two consecutive matches is really, really strange, but well, it happened to him and, 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 and it's, again, those, those mistakes, it's like, puts you in a situation that you have to recover easily, er, fast, and, and, and in, it's unexpected at the same time. Because you don't expect, expect to to have a mistake like that with uh, with his feet, uh, leaving or giving up the ball to the rival, uh, and unfortunately, uh, in the case of the Copa Libertadores, could could end up with the rear being out of the uh, yeah round stage. Yeah, we'll go through the um, permutations in the Libertadores later on. Um, Boca have had the kind of week that if we had a Boca fan here would have probably made them quite frustrated that uh, they weren't able to come and record because they've got back-to-back -back wins in in the league um, not quite such good news for them continentally but again we'll get onto that in more detail later on anyway beaten Belgrano 2-0 um, goals from Martin Pachero and Dario Benedetto and they beat Argentinos 1-0 away which is rarely an easy fixture um, I would say with a late goal from Miguel Merentiel, um, they're looking a little bit more solid domestically. They're looking a bit more Boca. They're up to 10th yes. place. It's fair to say, you know, get, doing enough to win the games at least, which wasn't happening at the start of the year. Um, seems like they bounced back well from, from that very uh, messy Superclásico defeat. And I guess almost kind of makes sense if you like the end of it, because, you know, just drawing the attention on the massive brawl and all the red cards instead of the fact they were pretty crap and mm. lost a game they barely competed in. You know, just controlling that narrative, you know. Oh, we were robbed at the end and then they sent all our players, come on boys, let's show them who's fucking boss. Uh, kind of a classic bocker, everyone hates us, we don't care, backs against the wall. And it seems to be always the way they operate best. Um, yeah, after a big defeat there, there is a, a, like a song that the supporters sing uh, come on, Boca! Nothing, nothing, nothing happened. Well, it happened. They, do, they you lost against River, <laughs> but then they when the way they won against uh, Belgrano, it looked like that. Like mm. well, never happened. Nothing happened, and and, and they won it uh, comfortably. I mean, playing decently or better than they used to. And yeah. Against Argentinos, I think it was like a tight win, not deserved win, but Boca win. And then, well, it was again back to normal against Pereira for Libertadores. Yeah, and I, I mean, I sometimes feel a bit like with all of the pressure that goes into obviously any Clásico, but particularly the, the really big Clásicos in, in this country, um, it never entirely surprises me when, for example, if River win the Super Clásico, River then end up losing the match immediately after mm -hmm. and Boca win theirs the following weekend. Um, 
because it just feels like there's an awful lot of energy that goes into that, and after that, inevitably, there's going to be a little bit of a, mm. a little bit of a slump from, especially on the winning side. Whereas there's also a little bit of a relief, maybe for the losers, where they're thinking, well, you know, okay, we lost the classic. Yes, for Boca is the need. The next match isn't the classic. There's not that same. Yes, for Boca is like they need to change the image they left uh, against River, and for you it was, we did it, and now we are have nothing. Uh, Yes, mm. lack of energy to, to, to go on. Yeah. I mean, to be clear, I've not done any, you know, I've not crunched the numbers and done a, a double-blind study of this or anything. So for all I know, this might be complete rubbish, but I just feel like it's not never a particular surprise when a side wins a Clásico and then loses the next match or mm. vice versa. Um, San Lorenzo, as I said, have made up some ground on River with wins over Banfield. A very, very late winner from Nahuel Barrios um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, secured that one, 2-1. And Instituto, which was much more comfortable. I actually caught some of this match, I think. But they needed two penalties. To, to two penalties, both from Andres Bombergar, um, which remains the most enjoyable name to say. Absolutely. And the latter of which took five minutes between the foul being committed and the penalty actually being taken. It was the second one that the goalkeeper just went to, to catch the ball and kicked the <laughs> the striker or, or I know I don't remember who he was but uh, how was he going to catch it like and then also uh, kicking someone? Yeah, it, it what was, is that was, movement? Like Yeah. But it, it was that one anyway, and that was what he that, that uh, yeah. Jorge Caranza was sent off for. And um, San Lorenzo still only conceded six goals in seventeen games. That mm. is magnificent defending. It is, yeah. It was very, and very, also really terrible to watch. It was very, very similar to another play in which uh, Aston Cesar, the former Vélez goalkeeper, I think it was for Copa Libertadores, that he went to, uh, again also to catch a ball, but Pal Rodrigo Palacio for Boca was also looking for the ball, and when he did the movement, he kicked in his head. Oh, yes, and, yeah, yeah. And, but he said, no, but I went to catch the ball. Yes, but you kicked yeah. uh, also Palacio. Well, I hate to interrupt, but we're about to have a classic under-20 World Cup referee VAR announcement, I think. Oh yeah, tell us about this, Dan, for people who haven't been watching yeah. the under-20 World Cup, which I imagine is most people listening to this. I'd imagine so, yeah. Uh, they're trying out a new um, a new concept, which is instead of just having a board... Oh, that's a definite penalty. Uh, show, the, ...show the decision, or you know, the referee making the... Uh, the corresponding sign. The referee is mic'd up and announces to the stadium uh, his decision. That's and if Sam synchronises this properly, I think we might be able to get it live. Come on, quick, 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 quick. This is exciting. There you go. I'm going to mute it again now. It's like he's uh, the decision. The TV Publica commentators do like to shout. Mm. Yes. I sometimes wonder whether commentators here realise they've got a microphone right in front of their mouth. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, there you go. Like, it's you not the that like they confirm. they show the, the the audio of the bar room, but the decision taken by the referee, right? Mm. Yes. Absolutely. Exactly, yeah, that was him speaking into his mic. He mm. presses something on his communicator with the assistants yeah. and it goes out to the stadium PA. Well, by the reaction of the stadium, I think either they're just kind of bored because they're already 3-0 up Argentina or no one understood 
yes. what he was saying. Yeah. I mean, they are doing it in English while hosting yeah. the tournaments in Argentina. So I don't The first one was a lot clearer, that. which I believe was a penalty shout against Argentina, which was reversed. Uh-huh. And there was a big cheer on no penalty. But I guess because it was the first game, the game it was poised at one all I think at that time or one nil to Uzbekistan, kind of hmm. pivotal moment. Anyway, so that is the uh under twenty World Cup referee announcements and I'm really happy that's happened in the middle of a recording. Yeah, thank you because for twigging that's been a lot of fun. Thank you for, for twigging that that was about to happen because I wasn't paying quite enough attention to have uh, realised that we could include it in the episode. I mean I'm... I've been checked out through this whole league discussion <laughs> given my my club's current situation. Just so. watching for a VAR decision. Yes, um, exactly. I might get to experience that in person on Sunday because my girlfriend and I are hoping to get to La Plata for the England match. England versus Iraq. Um, just for some fun. Shockingly, my girlfriend was the one who suggested this. <laughs> so, but you couldn't reach the Uruguay England match? No, Ooh, that, that would have been, been a cracker. That would have been more fun. Um, or, well, guaranteed fun because it finished 3 2 to England. But um, no, we were both working like crazy the other day, so we did not. Um, but anyway, yes, moving on. Um, we've talked about San Lorenzo, we've talked about Tacheres, we've talked about Boca. We've talked about Racing, so I guess it's only fair that we ask you what's happening with Independiente as well, Dan. Me? Why me? Well, because, you know, we made you talk about Racing, so now okay. we give you the pleasure of talking about Independiente, if you're aware of what they've been doing. I think they've not, been doing a bit, I mean, it's a low bar, but they've been doing a little bit better. They beat Tigre uh, two weeks ago, yeah. and then they lost to Arsenal last week. Yeah, so I mean, an average of one and a half points for Independiente is pretty good considering yeah. what they've done for most of the season true well I'm sorry I made you talk about them um, I can't, moving on I'll be happy to I'll be happy to talk about them I just as I say haven't been able to watch many of their matches for uh, for the last month or so because I've been without television um, yes when Dan says he's been without TV you might remember that this happened a couple of episodes ago mm. which was uh, because we didn't record last week because three weeks ago yes. and that he still didn't have it back two weeks ago and he still hasn't got it back now no I know. do have internet but because of some weird confusion they the technicians came no the technicians came and gave us fibre optic with internet oh wow which is good I mean we never asked for it yeah somehow it got put in the papers that we have it so we're just like oh fuck so you're it. paying for it which is no I'm paying for normal I think <laughs> I don't know but so I was like oh fuck it yeah break my roof and break my ceiling and give us new wires hmm. and obviously our digibox or decoder whatever it's called is uh old cable star yes um and they're not giving us another one until tuesday oh okay and it took me until yesterday to work out i could ask sam for his application yeah for reasons i don't really password. understand dan also can't log into his user account for out the, the uh yeah. television supplier that we happen to both have accounts with because technology hates me it TV. absolutely loves me that is the longest <laughs> shot of it anyway so yeah, Independiente is still still down there five points off the drop at the moment um, but I don't think they're going to go down and only one point behind Racing at the moment albeit with a game more played yes um, and I feel like it might now be late enough into the league season to just begin to mention the relegation battle because although it we've got isn't it isn't because then we have the, the Copa League and then we've got the Copa no, group stage yeah. but also 
because of the fact that we are actually there are going to be teams relegated based on this table or at least based on what this table currently looks like even though it's actually a separate table that will include the copper group stage I mean, um, I think we can say at this point... Union are in trouble. And Arsenal are yeah. down, essentially. They are 17 points clip, uh, adrift of safety at the moment in the Premier stable. Ah, right, yes. That's the combination that you need to look for. So that also then puts Banfield and Atletico Tucumán in, uh, in trouble for the annual table because... The Promedios table will relegate one team, yes. and the annual table will relegate two. And Arsenal are currently occupying one of those two bottom spots. I suppose it depends on whether it's going to be if the if if one team occupies both slots, then which table do they take the third relegated team from? Will it be the team who finished third bottom of the annual table, or the team who finished second bottom of the Promedio? Obviously, it might be the same team. I think the Afro are going to work that out depending on the identity of the team yes. they want to go down more. <laughs> but then again, Atletico Tucumán and Manfred are in a lot of trouble as well in the Promedio uh, table. They're only five points Atletico and four points Banfield clear of Platense, mm. who hold the penultimate place. And to put that into perspective, uh, Atletico Tucumán have won two matches this season on 15 points mm-hmm. Banfield have won three matches this season and are on 15 points and Platense have won five matches this season and are on 20 points so, so they are picking up yeah. points at a higher rate so um, yeah <laughs> there you go um, because we're recording in a slightly strange position so that we can all watch New Zealand versus Argentina um, I just had to lean in to see how long we've been recording for so far and I think we've got a little bit more talking time still in the first half so, does anybody have anything they want to get off their chest, league-wise? Because if not, then we'll do a very quick um, Copa Argentina rundown. I think I've said everything I need to say about this league, which I've seen very little of over the last weeks. Indeed. Right then, in that case, Copa Argentina. Since we last recorded, there have been four matches played. Um, these are all still in the round of 64 obviously because the Copa Argentina is the tournament that you can possibly just get out around in a couple of weeks um, Atletico Tucumán in I think probably the biggest shock of well maybe the Copa so far definitely of, of the last couple of weeks uh, lost and didn't just lose on a shootout as the bigger teams tend to do in well, the Copa Argentina after playing poorly um, but got really well beaten by uh, Estudiantes de Rio Cuarto, Ooh. who are from a pretty small town in Cordoba province. Um, they went 1-0 up early in the second half through I think we should clarify Ruiz that. Rodriguez. I we should clarify that in Cordoba there are actually a series of rivers yes. that are named 1, 2, 3 and 4. Yeah. Or, well, 1st, 2nd, 3rd and 4th. Yes. <laughs> Um, which is yeah. insanely unimaginative because yes. I think they're quite big rivers as well. I mean, they've got cities named after them and everything. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, that's no, know, no, a little bit yeah, of no. geographical colour. Indeed, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Ramiro Ruiz Rodriguez um, opened the scoring for Atletico Tucumán 10, 10 or 11 minutes into the second half. And Can then, we just nickname him? <laughs> well, the man who equalised for Estudiantes de Rio Cuarto was Renzo Reinaga. <laughs> Um, who then put them 2-1 up a few oh. minutes later, so a double for him, before Guillermo Gabriel, unfortunately his final name does not end, uh, begin in a G, oh. Guillermo Gabriel Bichalba um, made it 3-1 in stoppage time. 
So very well done if we've got any Estudiantes de Rio Cuarto fans listening. I'll be sure. Congratulations. Um, elsewhere, Gimnasia y Esgrima de Mendoza went out uh, on a shootout to all boys. They lost 4-2 after a 0-0 draw. Uh, Central Córdoba beat Comunicaciones, oh, from just down the road here, um, 3-0 mm. through a uh, goal, very early goal from Lucas Gamba. Remember Lucas Gamba? Ex-Union yes. in Central, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and then a late goal from Lucas Gamba. And then an even later goal from Federico Jordan. Or Jordan. J-O-U-R-D-A-N. Jordan, I believe, yes. Um, and Rosario Central versus Central Norte de Salta um, was not a shock. Central won. <laughs> Central I did not do that deliberately, <laughs> I promise. Uh, Central Norte de Salta took the lead um, after half an hour through Leandro Mesa, but it was 1-1 at half-time thanks to Hamin Don Campas, and Rosario Central ran in three goals in the second half, an own goal from Enzo Surassi, uh, an 80th-minute goal to make it 3-1 from Facundo Macho, and a stoppage-time goal from Ismael Cortes. There we go. Several goals that they didn't have, of course, Alejo Belis, because he's at the... Or in Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, he's playing in this, isn't he? I think he might Ooh, have scored one of the goals. Who? No, I think Alejo Vélez is... No, Vélez has been uh, rested for this game. Oh, he's scored uh, goals in both of the first oh, two games. Yeah, that's right, that's why. There were massive changes for this match. Yes. The, because, of course, Argentina were already qualified. Mm. I think it were nine, nine changes. So the goals so far have been Maestro from Puch. Ignacio Maestro Puch, Gino Infantino... Boy, Luca Romero and Brian Aguirre Ooh. and uh, Brian Aguirre was the scorer of the penalty a few minutes ago and uh, other than that Gino Infantino's goal is the only one I've seen because the first goal was scored when I went downstairs to let Dan in and the second goal was scored when I went downstairs to let uh, the third goal sorry was scored when I let, uh, went downstairs to let Andres in um, but we will talk in more detail about the under 20 World Cup right after this half time break don't go away We promised that we would talk at you about the Under-20 World Cup for a bit extended, and that is exactly what we're going to do. First of all, uh, the competition as a whole, partly because we couldn't record last week, um, has already developed quite nicely. And I was saying to Dan before Andres arrived um, that one of the things when we were kind of maybe laughing at Argentina's chances a bit or suggesting a couple of weeks ago that you know, it was going to be really impressive to see how Javier Mascherano was going to make them not get out of this group. But I think something that at least I hadn't fully um, given any thought to at all was that while Argentina did obviously fail to qualify for this competition and are now only playing in it because they're last-minute hosts, um, the fact that they failed to qualify from South America still arguably makes them the fifth or sixth best tied in the competition by the look of it. Yes, I think that's fair. Particularly when you bear in mind that a lot of the European sides don't appear to be taking it massively seriously. I mean, former winners, England, um, have 
at least one player who is, Dan tells me he's on loan, but uh, is playing for Bristol Rovers at the moment. And they're in the, I think, third division. They might be in the fourth. Um, in and a, they have a reserve keeper who's on loan from Chelsea at Havant and Waterlooville, mm. which I believe is National League South or whatever it's called these days. Indeed. Which is yeah, you couldn't imagine a player tier? from the Separada of San Juan playing in Argentina National Team. No. I mean, I'd like to imagine it. Yeah, it would be good to see. But it's fair to say that Argentina are taking it slightly more seriously than some of the other teams in this competition. Uh, as I said, I might be going to Iraq versus England on Sunday, so I'm not, you know, yeah. not to do it down. It's going to be great fun. Well, I think it's more the case. Can you name any England English youngsters, 20 or under, who have a regular Premier League starting position? Um, I mean, <laughs> I, do, I know. You know I, I can name very few, startlingly few Premier League players of any yeah. age who don't play for Manchester United. To be honest with you, so but there can't be, <laughs> but there can't be many. No, no, I'm not aware of any. How old's Mason Mount? He's not. It's like 26, he, isn't he? Yeah, mid 20s already. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I don't, he's about the youngest England player that I can name. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, looking at the squad who recently beat Uruguay three two. Mm. Um, I do not know. I mean, I recognise the name Alex Scott, but that's because there is, if I, I'm not thinking of getting my people mixed up, it's because player, there's right? a, a former England women's international named Alex Scott. Yes. And this guy plays for Bristol City, so I mean, he's not top tier either. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't recognise any of, of the names who were England starting eleven the other day uh, for that 3-2 win against Uruguay, which I didn't get to. We were looking at it as well, my girlfriend and I, but we were both really snowed under with work on... um, Oh, that was yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, we were very snowed under with work yesterday. So we didn't get to that one. Uh, England have won both of their matches, anyway, Mm -hmm. um, and are top of Group E, and have assured themselves of qualification, I think, uh, for the second round, because because uh, Tunisia play Uruguay, so they can't both overtake them. Plus the two best third-place teams already go through. Yeah. Um, And Argentina even before this match we're currently watching kicked off, we're also already assured of qualification mm-hmm. because Uzbekistan and New Zealand um, are they playing each other right now? They're actually playing these simultaneously so they're, they are in different stadiums for this bit that's yes. interesting um, but yeah, they can't both overtake them either and in any case it would now require five goals without reply from New Zealand in the next 16 minutes plus stoppage time for Argentina to lose the match. It looks as if Argentina are going to win Group A which is nice if you're a fan of Argentine football. In- They've been getting better. Uh, they had a pretty rocky first half hour, 40 minutes mm. against Uzbekistan, and it looked like everything we saw in the South American Championships just kind of dancing around the box without really any penetration, any goal for it, and at the back looking completely disastrous. Mm. Uh, and those two things combined pretty much sunk their chances in Colombia in that South American Championship but they've you know they seem to be playing with a bit more purpose at least after that early scare um, kind of got down from against Uzbekistan and let's be honest they've got a lot of very good players Aliko Velis has scored twice in the first two games he got rested I think he's just come on in this one where with the game pretty much over Mm. Uh, Luco Romero's looked very very impressive indeed Valentin Carboni uh, Valentin Barco, I have to say, is uh, yes. is, having a, is playing a blinder at left back. Uh, Boca's 
young young defensive hype. Um, looking very very solid indeed. Uh, it's good that th- three of the players that were in the starting lineup are from Argentina, playing in Argentina. Uh, like Aguirre, the news also guy who's also good. Mm. Uh, Belis and and Mark well. And then I think at least three. I think the majority yes. are, but yeah, yes, not, of course. they're just not the uh, the most well known names. Like uh, yeah, Federico Gomez, Agustin Shay, Tomas Aviles, Valentin Gomez. All these guys play in Argentina, obviously. Like the eye tends to um, to be drawn to the ones who are playing for European clubs or already. But uh, sometimes you know the ones who are getting regular football in Argentina, which. I think I said to Sam just before we started recording, kind of sets um, Argentina, Brazil, and even Ecuador, who, uh, who had a brilliant result today, 9-0 over Fiji, kind of sets them apart maybe from the European teams who probably don't have that many players with experience of first-team football. It's kind of a different uh, context. Do you know how many of Ecuador's players? This isn't a quiz question. I don't know the answer myself but you've, you're looking at the moment, so I'm wondering whether you could look up how many of Ecuador's players are products of Independiente de Valle. <laughs> oh, nice a lot. Because if they've got like eight or something in the starting lineup, then that also explains why they're um, <laughs> playing such liquid football. Um, That's a lot. I know um, Justin Cuero, who scored two goals against Fiji, is, uh, is from Independiente de Valle. And I believe... Who's the uh, I saw mentioned uh, Kendry Bass who is going to Chelsea in two years. He got a goal today. Sixteen-year-old. Okay. Yeah. One decade of uh, Independiente del Valle, who I believe became the youngest Copa Libertadores scorer in history recently. Yes, that rings a bell. Yeah. It's good to see Chelsea signing some players, isn't it? They don't they don't do enough of that. Yeah, they've been very shy in the transfer market um, um, in recent and, years. But and cheap players. One thing, moving back to Argentina on the 20s, mm. uh, one thing that I will say is that they have only conceded one goal. It was a bit of a shocker, that, that, <laughs> that opener against Uzbekistan from Mahmoud Mahamadjonov. Mm. Uh, I apologise if we have any Uzbekistani listeners um, for my butchering of that pronunciation. Uh, done better than most of Argentina's commentators to be fair they were struggling hit it from a long way out Mm. and Federico Gomez got I don't know whether both hands on it but he got a hand and a half on it maybe and he should have pushed it around the post I mean he he should not have conceded it from there he's a World Cup winner yeah absolutely I mean he's not but in some ways (laughs) so's Franco Armani to be fair and we all saw what happened this week well yeah indeed (laughs) sorry but I mean, no, he, 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 you don't want to jump on any one player and single out errors, and obviously goalkeepers get more of that than, than normal. But that was a, not an auspicious start to the tournament, and since then, Argentina have recovered well. Um, scoring ten goals without reply, right? Nine or nine, so yeah. two. Uh, not bad reaction. Uh, on yeah, at the moment, nine scored, mm. one against. He goes two, three, and now four. Yeah. I'm still nervous. Though. I feel like they had to lose that. First game against Asian opposition to keep the you know the Kawala the 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 good luck charm going from from uh, from the senior World but Cup. But it's a different World Cup. Is it? You'd like? have to. I've not looked at uh, all of Argentina's opening matches from the youth World Cups or under twenty World Cups that they've won because yes, the problem it is take about an hour to do that. The problem and the difference is that the the under twenties were. In 2005, they lost their first game as well, I believe, with okay. Messi. And Messi started on the bench oh, they did, didn't they? Yeah, for yeah, 
behind Gustavo Overman. So, there's something. Yeah. And Overman's, if he's got any sense, has been dining out on that story for the rest of his life ever since. I think he has. Well, they used to be quite active on Twitter, uh, Gustavo yes. Overman. Oh, he did, didn't and he? Comes across as a very, yes, very good guy, very down to earth. Like, had a good, had a good career of his own. To be fair, uh, mm. played a long time in Argentinos. I think he was a champion with them in 2010. Yes, I didn't quite reach Messi levels, yeah. but and played for River and was quite helpful. But well, eh. mm. played for River. Yes, there we go. Which if you're an because he... but then wasn't that in the time everyone, pl- everyone who played for River was awful. That kind of weird. Aguilar it was. I feel like it was shit show years. Maybe they didn't exactly coincide, but in my head, it's a similar era to when Fabiani played for River. I think Fabiani was a bit later. Overman, I think, was around two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah, exactly. Fabi- Fabiani was the early years of Hand of Pod. The River, yeah, the River banter years. Like, I yeah. think there are a few cases in which it's more more important for the player to be a, a River supporter than what he's as a player, because mm. Fabiani, of course, massive River supporter, and Overman also. I think those players were for playing for River because of of that more than the players themselves. Yeah. Mm. Would you put anybody in the current River squad in that bracket? No, no, <laughs> no, no, because Enzo Perez has proved to be a, a quite huge handy, yeah. supporter. <laughs> he's, uh, he's you've got fairly good value from him. Yeah. Mm. Um, the other groups then Argentina obviously are in Group A because they're the mm. hosts, and it, at the moment, if everything stays like it is, it looks like Uzbekistan are going to qualify alongside them. They're currently beating Guatemala 2-0 with 10 minutes to go. I think New Zealand will probably get through as one of the better third-place teams anyway. They it's, might do. They're the permutations are impossible. I tried to do it the other day and it just made my head hurt. Like. It's, uh, is it six groups? Yeah, six yeah. groups. So it's going to be the... Is Top it 12 four? plus four best four third place teams. Third place teams. So at the moment, if everything finishes as it does, then Argentina have nine points. Uzbekistan and New Zealand currently both have four. Yeah. So as I said, either New Zealand have to score five without reply, mm. or they need Guatemala, who have nothing to play for, um, to come back and claim a point from two nil down against Uzbekistan. So good luck. But yeah. you know, in New Zealand fans, you'll know probably whether you're through or not by the time you hear this. Um, no, because two thirds of the. Quite like group stages still uh, still to be played, so that will decide the first. Oh, it's only the first two groups that are going to have yes. three. Yes, sorry. So you won't know. You won't know. Um, You'll know but, yeah. by Sunday night. So indeed. Although, well, we're going to go through all the groups just quickly now, and I just a glance through. I think that it looks reasonable for to, for if you're Kiwi to have a bit of hope. I think they yeah. I think group B group B is over. Uh, it's the one that finished earlier with that 9-0 Ecuador win over Fiji. And in spite of that win, Ecuador only finished second in it because the United States of America got uh, wins in all three of their matches. Um, Slovakia finished third, Ecuador obviously second, and Fiji uh, fourth. Um, I think Slovakia has nice. fewer points than New Zealand, so we can they do, yeah. scrub so them off. It's a very nice 9-6-3-0 uh, points totaling in that group. Group C... Uh, Colombia currently top with six points. All of these other groups from, from this point on have only played two matches each. Colombia have six points. Japan have three. Israel and Senegal have one point each. Um, the remaining fixtures in that are Colombia v Senegal and Japan v Israel. So I believe I'm right in saying that if Colombia and Japan can draw their matches, then that would put New Zealand into the, the next round. Basically, because Israel and Senegal, one of them would have to overtake yeah. New Zealand. 
Um, I mean, four points is generally enough in this format. Yeah. Remembering, you know, the 1994, 1998 World Cups, kind of. Yeah. Group D. With four points, you're usually all right. Group D, having said that the South American sides are, you know, tend to be the strongest at this age level, uh, Brazil are second in Group D, having only lost, uh, having won one and lost one so far, and Nigeria top it, having won both of their matches. Of course, Nigeria are one of the other stronger sides traditionally at youth level. They're playing each other. Oh, that's going to be a hell of a Tomorrow at 3 pm. Um, with Dominican Republic to play Italy if um, if Italy win and Brazil don't then Italy would leapfrog Brazil into second place and if Italy win and Brazil lose or if Italy draw and Brazil lose then Brazil would finish in third place with only three points like Brazil going out of the under 20 World Cup at the group stage I think all three of those are going to go for in Argentina to be honest yes please but probably not um, so yeah Nigeria 6 Brazil 3 and they're playing each other and Italy 3 Dominican Republic and they're playing each other so actually it's all to play for isn't it because mathematically Dominican Republic with a big enough win over Italy although it probably isn't going to happen uh, could still qualify for that it's one gonna... <laughs> in Group E as I've said already England are already assured of first Oh, they're not already assured of first place, but they're already assured of a first, a, a top two placement anyway, because Uruguay and Tunisia play each other and can't both overtake England. Mm-hmm. England have six points. Uh, Uruguay and Tunisia have three each, and Iraq have none. The remaining matches in that one are England, Iraq, and Uruguay, Tunisia on Sunday. And in Group F, Gambia are top powerhouses of youth football. On six points, South Korea have four points, Honduras have one, and France, who actually are powerhouses of youth football, and who we always enjoy laughing at, um, being an English-language podcast and in Argentina for the last few months yeah. as well, at least. Um, well, no, let's say since the 2018 World Cup, we've enjoyed laughing at them when we can. Um, have no points! And the no remaining what? fixtures in that one are Honduras versus France and South Korea versus Gambia. So France are out. Oh, no, they're not, sorry, because they could win and then hope that three yeah. points is enough. But I don't think it... Well, it's, I told it depends, you, the permutations are just very... Depends very on all the goal difference stuff, doesn't it? But, yeah, I mean, it, France would potentially go to goal difference if that was uh, to all finish as it does. We'll, we'll tell you better next week when it'll be already probably the quarterfinals by the time we record. Yes, indeed. The matches... Oh, this only goes down as far as the group end of the group stage so I can't see when the quarterfinal dates are but anyway Wednesday I believe is the first last 16 games 5 nil. Or, okay. no Tuesday 5 Tuesday. Nil to Argentina and Belize again Tuesday's the first uh, last 16 game Monday is the traditional off day between the groups and knockouts excellent yeah they don't need a very long break between group stage mm. and knockouts because they're only young kids and they've got all loads of energy absolutely that's how this works. As Andres said, while Dan was saying that, Alejo Belis has just scored to make it 5-0 to Argentina And with his third goal... With, with Keeping his up his yep. record of scoring in every game, yes. I'm starting to think... And all think, three have been headers. I'm starting to think are. that they can hang on and win this match. He is a great headerer. He is, yes. He's quite tall, isn't he, for such a young man? I think he is, but I think it's the neck muscles more than anything. For, for such a young Argentine man, I should say. He's he has bionic neck muscles. Tall. It's very, very exciting. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting to uh, talking more seriously a second, but it is interesting to see somebody who's a bit more traditional centre forward. Like I'm, I'm trying to, I mean, in Argentina, mm. recent modelling, Martin Palermo, obviously is the archetype, and then since him, I'm, I'm not really used to seeing crosses into the box. Looked with, like one, but really wasn't. No, but 
might have scored a couple of headers in his time. Mm. Anyway, so I think this game's over. Yes, uh, I mean it almost is because there are three minutes to go. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's the under twenty World Cup. We've talked about the Copa Argentina. Shall we do listeners questions? Have we had any listeners questions? We haven't talked about Libertadores. Oh, the Libertadores. Thank you so much for reminding me, Dan. We all want to talk about the Libertadores. And as we all expected, the teams, the Argentine teams in pole position to get qualification first are Racing and Argentino Juniors. Indeed, yes. Completely predictable. And Boca also, because they have seven with parade, I think. uh, Boca have a bit of work to do still, but they're going to get through, I think, yeah. Since we last recorded, we've only had one round of Libertadores. Yeah, matches, they're really stringing it out. I don't like this. I remember the good old days when all of the Libertadores group stage happened in about a month and a half, and it was fast and furious. Uh, I don't like this European shite at it all. I year. mean, I, 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 I feel like the football's better watching it as a year-round competition, yeah. but I do think that they spend a little bit too long on the group stage. Absolutely. Um, I think it could be... Compressed a little bit, let's say. Um, anyway, I'll just go through the Argentine results in the groups. They have been Alcas 1, Racing 2 in Group A. Oh, yeah. um, Deportivo Pereira 1, Boca 0 in Group F. Argentinos 0, Corinthians 0 in Group E. Um, Sporting Cristal 1, River 1 in Group D, and I feel like I've missed a team somewhere. Patronato. Skip somebody? Yes. Yes, I skipped Patronato. Where are they? Group H, barely. Yeah, no, but I'm looking at the daily fixture there, and I can't... Ah, there they are. They had their game suspended. They had their game postponed a day because of adverse weather conditions in the Litoral. Oh, okay. So they played last night. They lost 2-0 at home home, in inverted commas, of course, to Olympia. So, as Dan says, in Group A... Thanks to those back-to-back wins over Alcas and somehow that draw against Flamengo in the middle of all of that terrible <laughs> league form, um, Racing are top with 10 points and, I mean, obviously guaranteed qualification. I don't think Not quite, but is it there would, a ta- way that it would take overtake them? an almost incredible turn of results for them not to qualify. But New Blente have to play Flamengo, don't they? They played them last night or the night before. Ah, so New Blente have got to play Racing and then Outcast. So yeah, so it is possible for both Flamengo and New Blente to still overtake the Racing. But yeah, but Racing and New Blente, it's not going to happen. Yeah, no, it's it's not realistically it's not going to happen. But mathematically, it's possible. Oh god. (laughs) So Racing will find a way. Yes. Um, But yeah, for the moment, it's Racing on ten points, Flamengo on five, New Blente on four, and Outcast on three. So. Second place is up for grabs there still. I mean, Alcas aren't going to get it, but they, you know, they could. Um, in Group B, which doesn't involve any Argentine sides, it's Internacional, Independiente Medellín, Nacional and Metropolitanos in that order. But the points are interesting. Eight for Inter, seven for Independiente Medellín and Nacional. And none for Metropolitanos. <laughs> for Metropolitanos. So it's well up for grabs for second place or first place in that group. In Group C, Bolívar have nine, Palmeiras have nine, Barcelona have three, and Cerro Porteño have three. So, so all that's done and dusted. There. That is, because Barcelona and Cerro have to play each other still. Yes. Oh, indeed. Yes, of course. Right. So, Palmeiras and Bolívar both guaranteed last 16 spots, albeit not guaranteed group winners. Uh, and, well, essentially, Cerro versus Barcelona is one of the, the matches to watch then, because that's mm-hmm. got a Copa Sudamericana spot on the line. Um, group D, Fluminense, the strongest... 
Sporting Cristal and River is the order that those teams currently stand in. Yeah. Not what we would have predicted after four matches, I think it's fair to say. Particularly after seeing how River started the season under Martin Demichelis in decent form. Mm. Um, Fluminense have nine points, the strongest have six, and Cristal and River have four each after that 1-1 draw uh, on Thursday That 5-1 defeat against Fluminense is the one that determines that River is last in the group because of the goal difference. Yes, mm. indeed. The goal difference is Sporting Cristal have minus three, whereas River have minus four. So that 5-1 defeat did all of the damage. And in fact... It accounts for most of Fluminense's positive goal difference as well, because mm. Fluminense's positive goal difference is only plus six. They've, they've only scored nine goals in four matches. It's just that five of them came against River. So it was bizarre on both sides of the coin, that really. River conceding so many and Fluminense scoring that number. Yes, because but, they only defeated the Fluminense, defeated only one nil, the strongest in La Pa in, in Brazil, mm. and then they lost to Fluminense, to uh, strongest in La Paz. Yeah. Um, so the remaining games there are that River next play Fluminense. Fluminense oh, and then the strongest. They've got two home games both. left. Uh, but it looks like they're going to need to... Well, yeah, obviously push. they need to win them both, right? Yes. yes. But at one point last night they were all bit out because they went 1-0 down. And they were kind of scrambling around a bit until they got a, a penalty. And it was a penalty. But yes. they were... You know, they needed it to equalise, um, and it put it just about back in their hands. Yeah, it looks like they are doing everything to, to be out of the Copa, because yeah. uh, mistakes that cost, as I said, goals, and goals that uh, end up with uh, losing points uh, in both, area, in both uh, boxes. All I will say is, for people who like an omen, oh. Pablo Bacchetti was the first player to score against Marcelo Gallardo's River Plate. And was the first player to score against Martin Demichelis's River Plate. And I remember Marcelo Gachardo's first Copa Libertadores group campaign in 2015, mm -hmm. and it was not a convincing one. Well, you qualify, yes, they qualified by the skin of their teeth, yes. and they could qualify a little bit more comfortably than that. But yes, um, if they do their job, I'm at playing home. the. But at the same time, the first title that Gachardo won was the Copa Sudamericana. That's true, and they could get into that as well. Indeed, and it looks like the only way they'll be playing the sort of Americana for the foreseeable future. Mm. So, and the last, the last match of the, of the group stage uh, of that Copa Libertadores was against the Bolivian side, Santa jo San Jose de Oruro. Yes, of course mm. it was. Yeah, yeah. And in this case, it will be similar. Yeah. The same, uh, the strongest from. Bolivia. But that San Jose team was absolute crap. You can't compare it to the strongest. The strongest no, no, are a little bit. It uh, is from same country. More no, of no, an actual not, team. Not comparing both teams, but yeah. same same country. Yeah. Um, yes, of course, the strongest are the strongest aside from Bolivia. Clearly. In Group E, as Dan's already told us, Argentinos, atop of the group, following mm -hmm. that nil-nil draw with Corinthians um, the other day, Independiente del Valle are second, and much more amusingly than any of that, Corinthians are third, yeah. and Liverpool are fourth, both with four points. That's not Liverpool that you're thinking of. It's Liverpool mm -hmm. of Montevideo. Um, much as I would enjoy it if Liverpool were, for some reason, made to play in the Libertadores instead of European competition. Um, that means, looking at it, that Argentinos, four points ahead of the two bottom ones, and the two mm. bottom ones have still got to play each other, I think, are going to be guaranteed a spot, aren't they? They're not oh, they have to play Liverpool. Off. Yeah. They're not far off. And then in the last round... They go to Independiente del Valle. 
So they've got to Corinthians and Liverpool are playing each other. Yeah. And therefore can't both finish above Argentinos. Hmm. So I but think they that, can finish third. Unless there's something I'm yeah. missing, Argentinos can't finish below second, can they? Uh, if they lose to Liverpool, if, uh, if Corinthians beat Independent, oh no, of course yeah. they can. Yeah, sorry, yeah, they can't finish below third. No, but they can finish below second. Um, so yeah, but I mean, they're going to want to wrap it up. Great position to win the group weekend, at the yeah. moment. We'll so, see. Yeah, we'll see. Good luck to them in Group F. Boca are top in spite of that embarrassing defeat to Deportivo Pereira the other day, which was from. I mean, I didn't watch the match, but yesterday, during one of the endless. I was going to say football talk shows, but what I really mean is football shouting shows. Football shouting shows. That I often have on on mute uh, while working. I happened to see the goal, and it was... Not good. I mean, basic. How do you... It was... And after... Not dissimilar to um, Man United's first against Chelsea yesterday. Just, I mean, decent delivery, but how do you... You just... If if you're a fan of the team who can see it, I'd, I'd be... And right after, after Romero saving a penalty, which is yeah. also incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Boca and Deportivo Pereira are tied on seven points in uh, on goal difference. Boca top at the moment. Colo uh, Colo have five points and Monagas have two. Really, Boca is still going to qualify from that, I would think. There's you think so? Like, gonna they're going to win one of those last two games, right? Yeah, they're at home to Monagas you in the last round. Yeah, and, and home before to that, they are at home to Colo Colo, so they really no excuse for not doing. No. Um, and in Group G, which does not involve any Argentine sides, but for the sake of completeness, Atletico Paranaense have seven points. Atletico uh, Mineiro have six points and a goal difference of plus one. Libertad have six points and a goal difference of nothing. And Alianza Lima have four points. So, probably the two Brazilians qualifying there. But, you know, Libertad could think so. very easily turn that round. We should say that Atletico Mineiro, of course, are honorary Argentines. They line, lined up against Atletico Paranaense with Cristian Pavón, Rodrigo Batalla and Matias Saracho all in the first team. And Renzo Sarabia came off the bench and their coaches, of course, El Chacho Cabret. Yes, indeed. So they're... More than a, a streak of Argentine running through, running through there. Yeah, even though they've not got Nacho Fernandez anymore. They do. Similar to in the Bente del Valle, I think they have a lot of Argentina. Do they? In the first, see, I th- yes, I think it's. They used. To, I think they're all kids now, unless they've just brought the kids up because all the half of their team is playing in the uh, the under twenty World Cup. Let's have a look. Independent, which group are they in? Already gone out ah, of the yeah. Dolores section. Mateo Carabajal, Richard Schunke, Diaz, Garcia Basso, Christian Pescherano, still going at yes. 41 years old, and Lorenzo Farabelli. I think that because the coach is all Argentinian, right? Martin Anselmi, yes. Yeah. But I feel like a lot, of, quite a few players are plugging gaps left by all of them going off to play for, for Ecuador in the Under 20 World Cup. Nicolas Prebitali. That is not a name that I think I've read no. before. 27 years old. Michael Oshas, I remember. Ex- oh, he's played, for, he's played for Atlanta. Yes. And then moved to Independiente del Valle. Oh, yeah. Born in the USA, right? right? Uh, possibly. It doesn't say here. Huh? It says. No, that's Michael Oshas. Ah. Born in the USA. Oh, I see. Sorry. Andres yeah. was re- responding yeah. to you, and I thought he was responding to me. Um, yes. yes. Anyway. This is questions? Yeah. Let's see what we've got. Um, if indeed we've got anything. Yeah, we do. 
We do. We do, we do. We do, we yes. do, we do. Great, brilliant. Chacarita Juniors in English says, Daniel Passarella, 70th birthday, first Argentine to lift the World Cup, double World Cup winner, if somebody's been talking to Daniel Passarella. Incredible player. I mean, he is. To be fair, he is. Like, he yeah. has the two medals. No, no one I'm, else I'm aware that. of that. Yeah. Yes, again, I've read interviews with him. Um, incredible player, a goal-scoring sweeper, and at just five foot eight inches. Obviously, the problems at River when he was president, but should he have a lot more acclaim than he seems to get? So, first of all, Andres, just I, I'm going to pass over to you in a second to deal with the River stuff. Um, but I will say that one of these, um, the answers to this is is the joke that I was just making with Dan, which is that if you ever read anything by him, mm. he's very fond. He can't say it anymore, or he's, yeah. he's had to adapt the line slightly. But back when Argentina had only won two World Cups, he was very fond of saying that there were 44 Argentines, or was it 42 or something? I can't remember how many there were in the squad at the time. But there were 44 Argentines, 43 Argentines, sorry, with World Cup winners' medals, and he was the only one with two of them, mm. in spite of the fact that obviously he didn't actually, I don't think, play a single minute in 1986. Um, he was very much the, I am the big man of Argentine football, I am the greatest, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and now this is it there are 44 world champion medals for 43 players that's right yes Um, and he allowed the rest to be implied but still it always came across as blowing his own trumpet because that's exactly what it was happening Um, and now I'm going to pass over to Andres to tell us does Daniel Passarella get a bad rep Andres? well of course that uh, being related it's uh, something quite big and, and difficult for him to I mean, it's something that he will live with that, and and, and it's uh, difficult because it's all his fault though, because it feels like there were plenty of other people who kind of started digging that grave before the uh, the body was anyway, thrown in. Anyway, uh, some time ago he went to the Monumental because there was this recognition, this homage to the world champions yeah. that played for River, and uh, yeah, with uh, because it was Armani's first home yes. game since. And no, he wasn't that whistle. Uh, I mean, there was somehow. <laughs> they didn't boo their former president yes, and captain that much. <laughs> it was a big controversy at River because of that. Uh, yeah. Oh, how people will, how supporters will mm. receive Pasarela because of uh, great player, the best, one of the best the defenders uh, in history, and that, and and then, and then, but then as a as a president, River uh, with him as a president, River was related. related. Mm. Uh, and well, yes, was this controversy and this uh, like one thing as a player and the other as a, as a president? Yeah, I don't uh, know. I always feel a bit sorry for Passarella. Um, obviously, it doesn't help that he's clearly a cunt. Yeah, he's clearly a very, very unpleasant person, and none of us would want to spend more than half an hour in a room with him. You know, you can listen well. to the stories and whatnot, but. But you won't want to do anything social with him. I don't think, you know, to go for a beer, go for a coffee with, he'd be a very pleasant person to be with. But that said, I always got the feeling kind of him being at River just in the moment they were relegated. It was almost more of a coincidence than anything else because he certainly yeah. wasn't the one who had mismanaged the club so much for, you know, the preceding four or five years to put them in such a desperate situation Here's the thing with, with, with that. What I remember at the time is, I can't remember who the, I mean, there the was talk of like, president before him. There was talk that, that he... 
Aguilar, Jose Maria Aguilar. Thank you. There was talk, right, that he'd he'd gone up against Grandona, he'd gone up against, you know, he'd annoyed yeah. Grandona, and that's why Grandona decided to send them down to the net, which was sending sound like absolute bullshit to me. Mm. You know. Yeah, and I mean, we, we, we discussed it at the time, and I remember writing an article or two about it at the time as well, mm. uh, and probably something on my blog if you want to go back and look at that from 2011. Um but the what I remember thinking at the time was that everybody was doing this and that he certainly had some of the blame. And the reason that I think I wrote it was that I remember seeing graffiti uh, on the corner very near to the flat that I was living in at the time saying that uh, basically that 100% of the blame was Pasta or something 50-50 or something with him yeah. and the president and saying like, I mean, that doesn't seem completely fair given what Aguilar had been doing before. But they're also Passarella. And it's just illogical as well because the whole promedio average point system goes against that. It's, I think you had three Passarella was elected yeah, exactly. it was, I mean, literally in December yeah. 2009. Yeah, if so I'm a not. big chunk yeah. of it was definitely under Aguilar's I mean, half watch. at least, yeah. And I think we made the point back, yeah. back then in 2011 that if it was just judged solely on that 2010-2011 season... They won't. Yeah, they finished the like six. Like, they would have been yeah, yeah. playing in... I don't think they quite would have qualified for yeah. the Libertadores, but they'd have been playing in the Sudamericana that season. Yeah, there was things like the Apertura 2008 with Simeone, where they finished with like four points and finished yeah. last. That kind of. um, but it was still... I mean, it, he was still to blame. There was still mismanagement. Mm. It wasn't... He, 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 he didn't do enough to yeah. track the club up. It wasn't very professional, uh, to be honest. Uh, uh, and uh, we... The, the coach that was at that time, JJ López, Juan Manuel, eh, Juan José López, eh, former glory of River, mm. or at least important player, and, and doing things that were incredible when you are playing so much with players that he... Like, eh, having that confidence, I think we mentioned that, or you mentioned that in the previous episode, that Pasarela was with the idea of bribing the, 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 the referee, who was Sergio Pesota, but when he watched all of the people in the environment, he said, no, it's not necessary. We will win with now without that help. Mm. And, well... So you're saying they should have brought him? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is this the moment? <laughs> and, and well, this is why we hate Pasarela, because he wasn't giving well, was referees I, bribes. I think, for me, I, I think his main fault was that he was too brazen about everything. Like, even about the fact that he wasn't going to do this. Yeah. It was always just that like, kind of... I, yeah, I could have just been also, corrupt like all of the other fuckers. And the other thing is, if, if you go to, to River's museum, mm. um, it was put together by the same company who put together Bocca's museum, yeah. but about 15 years later or something. Right. So, I mean, it, it, it looks... It's much more sort of nicely finished, you know, the bits around the edges, right. if you really pay attention to the joins of, of the <laughs> displays and stuff like that. It, it looks a lot slicker. Um, but it's all basically... You know, he contracted that company because they were his mates, and he right. could bung them a bit of money underneath the table as well as what they, what they were paying for it above the table. It, from what I've heard, from from uh, I mean that doesn't surprise me. Fan radio, but it's also what every single president in yeah. Argentine football would do. But I, but I, I do think going back to Chacarita Junior's and English's original question, he does deserve more credit as a player. Yes, um, and it absolutely the amount that he gets has been tainted by A, his personality, mm. and B, his disastrous time as president at River. Whether that's his fault or not is another matter, but indisputably, he was the River president mm. when they suffered the only relegation in their history. Um, it's good to have things 
apart. I yeah. mean, and I mean the goal scoring is is. Uh, oh, it's insane. I think Absolutely I'm right insane. in saying that his his goal scoring record, world record as a defender, was broken relatively recently, like in the last five years, by Sergio Ramos. But it That's had lasted up to yeah. that point, and it might not have been broken by Sergio Ramos. But he I might still remember be hearing that it had been broken. Um, I, 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 I vaguely recall there might have been some goal that Ramos scored that put him past yeah. Passarella's total. But here it says that he's behind Ronald Koeman. Ah. I see. About second, right? In any case, that would still rely on classing Koeman as an out-and-out defender, wouldn't it? Yeah. So I think he's more of a midfielder some of the time. Anyway, anyway we're not a Spanish football podcast or a Dutch football podcast, so if you know better than we do, then please write in and, and correct me. Um, Pafloan says, to celebrate... Ma- oh, thank you for asking this, because, yes, we did need to mention this. Marcelo Bielsa has been confirmed as Uruguay boss. We mentioned it was going to happen. Yeah, but it hadn't happened, and so. it is happening. Uh, to celebrate Marcelo Bielsa taking Uruguay's national team... Who has been the most underrated Uruguayan in Argentine football in recent times, and why does it have to be Brian Aleman? <laughs> Not in agreement at all. No? Well, who would you say then? No. El Tanque Silva. I replied to that tweet, making my feelings very clear. El Tanque Silva. Underrated, though? I think he was. Is he? Yeah. I think he's quite highly rated. I think, I think he was. I, think, I would say that he was rated more or less the way he should have been, which was as one of the best strikers in the league. I think he could have got Got a bit more rating. Okay, Andres, yeah. any thoughts? Perhaps at Boca wasn't so brilliant, but uh, yeah, Ver- it was. Banfield, Vélez, like. Yeah. yeah. Got titles with Banfield and at Vélez. I yeah. think we should be talking more about Santiago Silva. I mean, not now, because he's not really around now. I don't know. even still be playing, to be I fair. feel like when he was playing in the Argentine League, we talked about him as much as he deserved to be talked about, because he was scoring goals most weeks. I don't know. I think I, I, do we talk about I feel like we talked about Brian Alleman as well we do because people yeah. keep asking us questions about him yeah. but I feel like one this is a, a faintly ridiculous one yeah. I, I realise that but one who I, I, I don't think maybe quite gets enough I don't know whether ratedness but uh, fans of other clubs I've seen a few who don't really seem to think he's that good is Nico de la Cruz who I think has really kicked yeah. off the river in the last few years after being yeah. for the first year and a half two years a bit. De La Cruz yeah. has always left me cold just because very, I hear very good at being a cog in the machine for me. I hear that he's good, and you know I see clips of him being good, but whenever I've kind of sat down to watch him for a whole match, hmm. just don't get it. Just buzzing around like an annoying fly, very rarely having like an impact in the game. Maybe I've just been unlucky, but too many injuries apart from that. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Like he's and good, obviously, but I feel like he's. Incidental to yeah. everything River have done over the last Can we think of any, five years or whatever. Any goalkeepers? I mean, there have been a fair few Uruguayan goalkeepers in recent years. from Boca Sosa. 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 Yeah. yeah. Uh, Campana, who did, who did well in Independiente yeah. for a while. True. Yeah. Given what Independiente have done since he left. Indeed. Yeah. Thank you for the question, though. And yeah, Bielsa in charge of Uruguay is going to be a lot of fun, and we look forward to covering it when they start playing matches. Yes. Lee Bartlett says, will Phoenix, uh, Lee, always in with the important questions about the lower leagues, will Phoenix ever move into their partially finished ground? I mean, apart from anything else, Lee is always in with the questions about stuff that we had no idea was happening. Um, and why are Shupanki not playing in their own recently opened cancha? I'm not even sure why you bother to ask these questions, Lee. 
I'm going to say for the first, yes, <laughs> I guess. Uh, why is Shulpanki not playing in their own recent... I don't know. Yeah, I'm afraid... Have got stands open yet? The, no. the answer to both of those questions is we don't know. I mean, I, I love you, Lee. I'm looking forward to seeing you again for a drink when you're next here, but... Yeah, uh, you know as well as I do that I'm not in a position to answer either of those questions. Uh, he also says, Moncho Monson's son, Florian, was playing for Almirante Brown, but I haven't heard of him for a while. Is he still there, or is he playing his football elsewhere? Keeping up, Keep up the good work, guys. Uh, thank you very I much do for have final answer. comment, given the responses we've just given you to your first two questions. Go on, Dan. He is in Portland Timbers 2, apparently. Oh, wow, that's... Quite a move for him. Yeah. Reserve MLS or whatever they call it. Yeah. And much better scenery. Mm. Coming from Greater Buenos Aires to Cascadia. <laughs> the, the Northwest Pacific Coast oh, yeah. is... Yeah, well, nice. Um, but yes, football-wise, is, is it an upward step? Is it a sideways step? Uh, it's probably financially slightly from better. Primera Nacional to... The United States. Yeah. I think he's probably quite happy about it. Quality of life-wise. Yeah. Slightly more chance of getting shot. Yes. Slightly lower chance of... The States, Casanova, yeah. big-name football. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Um, that's it. Those are all of our listeners' questions for this week. Mm-hmm. Do we want Mystic Sam? Are we going to do it this week? The answer is, obviously, yes. So okay. stick around. Okay, we begin with a match that is kicking off in one hour and 18 minutes time, or possibly a little bit later if it's late for some reason, but uh, we all know that the Argentine First Division is bizarrely punctual compared with everything else that goes on in this country. Um, Atletico Tucumán versus Arsenal. I think that that's going to be a draw and probably not worth watching. Gimnasia versus Sarmiento, I think will be a Gimnasia win. Platense versus Belgrano, I'm going to go for a Platense win there, after our comments a bit earlier about their decent play in defeats to... Well, actually, no, sorry, a win against Racing and a decent play in defeat to That doesn't really tell you much. Independiente versus Lanús is a draw. Barracas Central versus San Lorenzo is going to be a San Lorenzo win. Defensa Uticia versus Racing is going to be a defensive UTCL win sorry Dan I feel like for this whole you're saving yourself for the Libertadores I feel like for this whole losing run you've kind of not predicted Racing defeats no so perhaps this is the G up they need I've finally started paying attention to the podcast and I'm going to tailor my predictions as such Tacheres versus Argentinos I think is a draw Boca ooh Boca versus Tigre uh, is Rateki going to be allowed to play in this one? Yeah, I'm sure. Presumably. Um, I'm going to go for a Boca win, I think, because they've picked up a bit now. Newells versus Godoy Cruz. I think it's going to be a Newells win. I think the Colón versus Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero is going to be a draw. I think Huracán versus Unión is going to be an Huracán win. Banfield versus Rosario Central is going to be a draw. Instituto versus Estudiantes de la Plata is going to be an Estudiantes win. And 
Belles versus Reber. I think will be a Reber win. So it will be a Reber against Lorenzo one head to head uh, definition for the for the title. I mean, I think I mean. that's the sensible money, isn't it? You've got uh, Tacheres and who did we say Estudiantes as well. I mean, I've predicted yes. wins for both of them. Yeah, but if River win, they will have nine points difference at least with the third and fourth, mm. and will be will be nine matches to yeah, go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they've got a lot of time to uh, a lot of uh, space to, to to catch up. Tacheres and Estudiantes. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, I mean, it, it's felt like that for a few weeks already now, and I, I think that both of those teams are going to keep keep doing what they're doing, which is in Rivers' place, normally winning quite comfortably, and in San Lorenzo's case, winning <laughs> perhaps slightly uncomfortably, but um, still winning all the time, because they don't concede. Neither of them really concede very much, even with our comments about Rivers' defence having loosened up recently, they're still the second best defence in the league after San Lorenzo. Um, so yeah, there we go. Anyway, thank you very much indeed for listening to us for another week. We will be back hopefully next week. I reckon so. No, as long as nobody gets ill or has far too much work to be able to leave the house. Mm. Um, but for now, it's thank you and goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. English Dan. Goodbye. And me. Thank you and goodbye. Mm.